Yeah, I feel like the kind I mean, like the kind of person who's a a Twitter manager is probably like, you know, an MBA from Stanford or some Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point, I think career tracks like that are sort of self-selecting where like the idea that it would be normal to work 20 hours a day and bring a sleeping bag to your office on the off chance that it'll end up with you on like a board someday or as like, you know, a C-suite employee or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think to someone like that, it might just be normal and they see it as like paying their dues or doing what needs to be done just because some psycho freak is like, okay, work 24-7 to implement some dumb bullshit that I made up that barely makes any sense. Yeah, that's so crazy. Well, and I think the the paying your dues mentality is a really apt thing to highlight because like there there has always been a mentality of that in the United States. It's like you got to work shitty jobs. And when you got yeah, a yeah. good job, you got to work the shittiest part of the good job for five years before they let you do the good part of the good job. And it's <laughs> like this this manager, this lady, you know, I don't know how old she is, but she looks like she's in her 30s, maybe even her 40s. That's the middle of your life. That's the middle of your working career life. If the common story of how work and life is supposed to go is to be believed. Mm-hmm. At that point, you should no longer be paying dues. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You should no longer fucking be paying dues. Like in an even somewhat reasonable world, by the time you're 30, I don't know, 35, you should never have to do a shit task ever again. And by the time you're 50, you should be able to retire. And if you don't have enough in your pension, the government should just give you $4,000 a month straight up. (laughs) Like, and instead we have it set up so that it's like somebody who nominally, I imagine, you know, working at Twitter and being a manager has spent, already spent decades, decades of their fucking life throwing everything they have at some insane corporate target just to have the corporate target completely shift. And what's their response? They're just like, I got to double down. This is my <laughs> crisis just means opportunity in a different language. And that language <laughs> is called Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this sort of thing is also like, you have to wonder, not even one, it's just like, how could this possibly produce a good result? You know, it's like, I, I feel like we all know what it's like to be stretched thin, exhausted, like there's no task that you can do to your full potential when you're in that condition. I don't no. care like how good you are at it. I don't care how easy you think the task is. I don't care how important the task is. It's just like you're not going to do it as well as you could if you were rested and healthy and you know, like for something like this too where it's like it's so intangible. It's like make the fucking what are they working on? The the blue check subscription service, the like mm-hmm. a new form of content moderation. Like there's there's nothing that you can just bang your head against endlessly and then it suddenly is produced or suddenly works well. You need to have an understanding of like cycles of how you should work on things. Right. Well, and I think that's that's like one of the interesting things about what Jack Dorsey said when he was actually mm-hmm. about to explain why he thinks Elon Musk will be good for running Twitter. Before <laughs> he said the incredibly stupid shit about that, he did say something that was kind of cogent if you're like an early internet brain guy who remembers like early piracy, early file sharing, all of the the freeware and shareware and open source stuff that was going around the the same scene that the pirate parties all kind of sprang out of. And <laughs> one of them actually governed Iceland for a little while. And um, 
but he said something about how Twitter wants to be a public good at the protocol level, which Mm -hmm. what he means by that, I have to imagine, is that the way that the website functions itself implicitly, you know, expresses a want to function outside of the constraints of the profit motive, which is Mm -hmm. a really interesting thing for a guy like Dorsey to say, uh, because one easy for you to say, Dorsey, you already have your money, but also too interesting for you to say, Dorsey, you have a lot of money. Guys who have a lot of money usually want to turn that into more money. And what you're talking about doesn't sound like that. So, you know, I believe he might've gone off the deep end. He might've, uh, uh, Brian Wilson did up a little bit and just did too much acid and sat around (laughs) in a sandbox till he realized the bird app was poison as long as there are ads on it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, despite him following that up by saying, I think Elon is the one to expand the vision of consciousness or whatever stupid shit he said. I do think he's right. I think services like Twitter and even Facebook and Instagram want to be a public good at the protocol level. And I think it's time we started having a conversation about, you know, maybe not just nationalizing internet service, you know, provision, but Mm -hmm. also nationalizing all of the most major sites that at this point make up about half of internet traffic in total. I mean, for a lot of people in this world, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, Instagram, Reddit, and a couple of other ones Mm -hmm. are basically the internet. That's where you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think something that like, you know, you could compare it to email, which is like, a right. protocol of the internet in a certain way and like a function that to most people in the same way as you just described the internet it's like if someone thinks of email they think of gmail or i guess it used to be yahoo mail or aol or whatever like right. it's mostly captured by big corporations and i think i've even read stuff about like the way that it's becoming harder and harder like to use an isp and then actually like set up your own email server like they kind of want you to be going through the big, yep. you know, corporate ones, but well, they're still, it's to... like, you know, it's like email functions as email and has not been like email has changed a lot less since it started than Twitter or Facebook have since they started. Right. And arguably both of those have changed only for the worse and for the more, you know, insidious and propaganda propagandizing and controlling. Yeah, well, I mean, e- my email inbox is full of spam, but at least it still fucking works. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it, does, it does the things that I need it to do. And there are so many protocols and services and stuff on the internet that are free. And a lot of them have been free since the 90s or the early 2000s when a lot of this innovation was done the first time mm-hmm. around. And a lot of them, like there's a great XKCD comic about this where it's like, you know, 90% of the internet's infrastructure relies on, I don't, I'm not a, tech or network guy on that deep of a level. So I don't remember if it was a a, a, a transfer protocol or or a, a a Linux kernel or or something like that. But it was some, you know, very technical thing that some random dude in, I don't remember if it was Ohio or Sweden or something, mm-hmm. but he's been maintaining for like 25 or 30 years now. And without it, the internet as we know it would basically crumble. And is he making any fucking money off of it? No. Because a lot of those guys from the early internet like are for better or worse, utopian tech brained, you know, uh, visionary kind of types where they're just like, if we just make enough resources available to as many people for free, this thing will finally take off. And it's like, well, what hasn't been able to be privatized has just been welcomed with open arms by people who privatize other things as a free resource that they can rely on. So 
at some point i think we need to learn from like the the tech piracy open source shareware kind of revolution thing that was going on about 20 years ago or maybe a little less depending on how you count them uh and and develop a new plan that like yes involves free software yes involves free and open source and 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 modifiable and hackable you know protocols and services and all of this stuff but also gives us a way to defend it from the intellectual property encroachment of gigantic corporations like ISPs like uh social media services like Facebook and Twitter and you know, uh, even like companies where it's hard to even say what they do anymore, like Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like the the early in the earlier days of the internet, that's basically what Microsoft did. It was just like take a bunch of publicly available software and mm-hmm. and publicly available codes and stuff, and just sort of like corral it. You know, it was almost like primitive accumulation on the internet. Just like take a bunch of stuff that was freely available and you know, change it a little bit and copyright it and then say that it was like a thing they invented and should be able to make money off of. 